successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show and online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to the Grill Nation Show. I am your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for listening today on 980 AM in Kansas City and on iTunes via podcast. We appreciate you joining us here today. You can also connect with us on our website, grillnationshow.com. Hope you're having a great week so far and uh, and ready for the start of summer. Uh, We have an interesting show today. I rarely have uh, such uh, educated and uh, and forward-thinking and uh, unique, really strong individuals who really are in the medical field on my show that are also entrepreneurial and, and, and do a lot of different things in the community. Uh, and today we are going to have one of those. We're going to have on Dr. Kip Van Camp, who's the founding physician of Midwest Radiology Institute and Ideal Health and Regenerative Medicine. The website is idealhealthus.com. Uh, and uh, Dr. Kip Van Camp is a double board certified and is really leading the way in stem cell treatments across the Midwest. So I really wanted to talk to him about some of the things that he does, as well as learn more about what, uh, his practice and his uh, entrepreneurial ventures. Dr. Uh, Van Camp, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to have you. Um, we are taping this via Zoom. If there is any technical difficulties, I want to alert the listeners, but we should be good. Um, Dr. Van Camp, tell us a little about yourself. Are you are you grow up in this area? You grew up in the Midwest. Where are you from initially? Well, I'm. I'm old now, but when I was young, I was born and raised in Colby, Kansas, out on the Oasis on the Plains out west. And my dad was a veterinarian out there. I had been, I was the youngest of four, and mom and dad had all four of us within a five-year period, so we were all close together. The um, the thing in Colby, I'll tell you a quick story, brief story. My dad was a graduate from Kansas State. My mom also went to K-State. Dad graduated in vet school. Dad was born and raised in Nebraska. So he's one of those, you know, when Snyder came along and the football program turned around, dad was one of those that was Nebraskans for K-State. So there was actually a little club where there were 20 people who were from Nebraska who were actually rooting for K-State. Well, that's pretty hard to imagine after all the famous years of Nebraska football. Well, right. Yeah. Mom, mom and dad get married. They, uh, dad works for the government as a poultry uh, inspector for about six months and realizes this isn't for me. And so they took their little tiny nest egg and bought a practice in Hoxie, Kansas. Well, if anyone knows where Hoxie, Kansas is, it's a little dot on the map out in western Kansas. It's about 30 miles east of Colby. And so he uh, practiced there. They had their first three children, 1958, 59, 60, 61. Mom and dad looked around at Hoxie, and it's a town of 2,000 people at the time. And he said, you know, 
we really need to think about these children we're having. We they're going to be they're not going to have any opportunities in this world. We better find a new place. So they packed up and moved to Colby. Well, you can imagine when you think of opportunities, you don't think of Colby, Kansas. But anyway, <laughs> we moved to Colby. I was the youngest. I was born in Colby. Uh, loved it. A fantastic place to be born and raised. I got a general background in everything. You know, you could participate on the football team. And maybe if you weren't a starter your first couple of years in football, you might actually march in the marching band at halftime, too. Uh, you also would be on the sorry I've got it. you also would be on the um, debate team you could be in music you could so you could participate in everything so I had a really well-rounded education worked with my dad in his practice at a young age thought that I was going to end up in vet medicine um, he woke me up too many middle of the nights and drug me out into a pasture to help him deliver a calf. And I said, why would I want to be out in the elements? Do it? If I'm going to go into some kind of medicine, I'd rather do it inside. So I went into people medicine. Uh, loved sports, went on into, went, was an athlete, uh, wasn't good enough to make it at the Division One level, wasn't good enough to make it at the Division Two level. So I went to NAIA school. So I went to Bethany College. I could participate in football and in track. And uh, had a really good uh, fine arts, liberal arts, yeah. well-rounded education, and that got me started towards the science background. Yeah, you uh, you made your way to Kansas City to the uh, Kansas University of Medicine and Biosciences. What so I I couldn't decide where to go. I met a DO, and DO said, "I think you need to hear about DOs." At the time, I didn't even know what a DO was. Uh, I followed him around in his practice out in Western Kansas and said, this is amazing. I can do this. And uh, I had done well at Bethany, uh, applied and was accepted literally within, you know, 24 hours. They had already called and said, you're accepted. So I said, okay, uh, burden of hands worth two in the bush. I took it and off I went. So never regretted that decision. A great decision. Uh, went to four years of medical school at, at uh, KCUMB. Um, after that, I did a rotating internship. One thing I like about the osteopathic training, and this is still true today, although medical training has evolved greatly over the years, one thing that has remained true to the DO world is they truly encourage us to be generalist first and then specialize, whereas the allopathic or MD world, by the time you're a sophomore in med school, you're already choosing your specialty. and DO school, you may think you want to be an orthopedic surgeon or an ophthalmologist or pathologist, but they're still encouraging you to stick with the general training. So still more than 70% of the graduates of DO schools go to do a one-year rotating internship. And what that means is you do general surgery, uh, general practice, OBGYN deliver babies, cover the emergency room, you know, learn how to read x-rays as best you can as a, you know, as an intern, cover the house, you know, you're the house doctor and you do this for 12 months. Well, time you're done, then you specialize. And now you're a pretty good generalist. Now you're a pretty good general practitioner before you ever become a radiologist. And so I did my one year rotating internship, met my wife. I was in St. Louis, met my wife there. Uh, we dated a couple of years and then got married. Um, uh, I decided I was going to go into family medicine. I drug her back to Kansas City. She's from St. Louis. I drug her to Kansas City. Uh, 
there's a natural that, that, that usually uh, is hard to do. The other direction usually there's a natural pull to St. Louis if you're from St. Louis. So to pull a St. Louis girl out of St. Louis may have been my greatest feat ever. That may be yeah, my right. greatest accomplishment. Uh, but anyway, she's she's uh, she's a Kansan now, loves Kansas, and that and that's hard to say, but she really does. Uh, and you guys, a, you guys have a family and uh, and uh, two, you know two kids. Yeah, two kids are grown now. Well, one's sixteen and one's twenty-one. My 21-year-old's at K-State. Uh, my 16-year-old's an athlete. He's uh, in Topeka. We live in Topeka. That's a long story, but we live in Topeka. I drive over to Shawnee four days a week. Uh, the uh, And we'll get more into that after the break. we got to go to break here. Kind of we got to go to break here, and I want to yeah. wink it back. I want to talk about your practice. You, you've done some incredible things with services and treatments and evolution of the medical profession. Um, We're going to catch right back up there after the break. You're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Thanks for joining me. You must understand the touch of your hand makes my folks react. That it's only the thrill of me girl opposites a Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes. If you're listening via podcast, we greatly appreciate it. I'm your host, Jason Grill. You connect with me on social media, on Twitter at Jason Grill and on other forms of Facebook, Instagram, and uh, LinkedIn. Just search for my name, Jason Grill. We're joined again today by Dr. Kip Van Camp. He's a double board certified physician and is leading the way in stem cell treatments across the Midwest. The current website is idealhealthus.com. Dr. Van Camp, you were giving us a great background. Uh, your practice now is in Shawnee, is that correct? Yeah, and the background I gave kind of leads right into how things played out for me. I, uh, I did a family medicine residency at UMKC here in Kansas City. Um, practice in Weston, Missouri for three mm-hmm. years. Actually drove to Atchison, delivered baby, so womb to tomb, you know, start to finish, a lot of different terms. There's a lot of different cliches you can use to describe a, a full-service practice. But that was a great uh, training ground for a young doctor to learn general medicine. Even though I'm telling you, DOs are generalists first, you really learn everything in practice. That's when you become a doctor. Uh, the residencies and fellowships help and the internships help, but it's, that's where you become the, the skill that you need. So that background, then three years into the practice, I decided I wanted to become a radiologist to the chagrin of my wife again. Now I'm moving her to Tulsa. So we pack up and move to Tulsa and I do four more years of training. Well, if that isn't enough, I said, okay, I know I'll never get her to move a, a, again. I have one more move in us. And so I, drag her to the East coast and we do a one year fellowship at the Washington hospital center in Washington, DC, which was the best year spent. Uh, 
I remember plenty of attendings saying to me, you've already got the skill set. You've done two residencies. You don't need to go do this. And then one, one lone voice, the, the guy that I had the most respect for said, you'll be surprised how much they'll teach you and you don't know enough yet. And so I got to the fellowship and literally within the first week I said, good decision. I learned so much more than I thought. I, I realized. What, 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 what age were you when you went to that, to that year? So, so I practiced it. So I graduated from med school at whatever, 26, 27, mm-hmm. uh, did a family medicine residency. So now I'm 31. I practiced yeah. for four years. Now I'm 35. Go back and do a residency in radiology. Now I'm 39, and I do my fellowship. I'm 40 years old. And so, so that's oh, interesting. Man. That's I'm interesting old. because that's an interesting time to leave and, and get so your I've, wife to do that one. And I'm time. starting a career at 40 when most people have already had 20 years under their belt. That that's a whole long discussion. We could talk about the the discrepancies in. Uh, understanding the commitment that goes into becoming a doctor. You know, I have great respect for the nurse practitioners, but they're not doing the fellowship. They're not doing the postgraduate trainings that we are. And it's the postgraduate trainings that really separate any medical professional. That's where you become the doctor you're going to become. So someday have me back and we'll talk about the future of medicine and what's happening and what, where the role for nurse practitioners are and how it's getting, the, the uh, boundaries are getting blurred. And so yeah, we've got are. a real quagmire right now. Uh, so, so anyway, so yeah, I, I get through all this. We, I now have two degrees and a fellowship. So three degrees uh, during, I come back and I work in Topeka. I get a job at the uh, radiology group over in Topeka, Kansas. They had 30 some radiologists and I practiced with them for five years uh, was crazy. I'm a, I'm the kind of guy who jumps in and workaholic to where it's detrimental to me. So I, within a year, I was the number one um, procedure producer and yet I'm still a, a junior partner. So years two, three, four, I'm still number one producer and I'm still a junior partner. And so looking around saying, this isn't any good. I'm making a lot of money for someone and I'm not it's like going in my pocket. Well, that's how a lot of older groups were, were structured back then. So that's 2005. So 2005, I, I say, you know what? All I'm doing is working. You remember Andy Dufresne, Shawshank Redemption? Mm-hmm. Every, every man's fa- every male, uh, it's a man's man kind of movie. Every male can quote, you either, either get busy living or get busy dying. I had reset point where here I'd done all this education and all I'd ever done is work. And half the time I worked for a pittance because I was in training and I didn't have anything to speak for except of this great education. And I had all these plans and I said, it's time to get busy living or get busy dying. So I chose to break away and I got busy living and I started my own group and got some small hospitals out in Western Kansas started covering small hospitals, going to their hospital one day a week, one day every two weeks, doing procedures in their hospital, offering a service to small town America, which was my roots, enjoying myself. And I decided to write a book. I write a book. It's about a pet. It's the first book I wrote. It's a little dog book. Uh, I get involved with my son's sports. Now I'm helping coach. So I'm doing things I enjoy for the first time. And I'm I'm finally living. And then 2011, my dad gets Alzheimer's disease. 
and the whole world changed in a heartbeat, just like that. So here was a man who was my my uh, idol, my icon, my mentor. You know, I always had great respect for my father, one of those one of those larger than life men in your in certain people's lives, right, right. make a difference in your life. Well, Dad was that man, and he uh, you know, just a down to earth, saw the world in black and white, and he got Alzheimer's. And we took him to the Landon Center for Aging at KU. And they said, well, you're right. It's probably Alzheimer's. Take Here's a script for Aricept and uh, get your affairs in order. And it's not going to be much fun. And I said, that's it. So I, I'll never forget my dad saying, you know, vet medicine's way ahead of human medicine. He always would say that. Of course, he'd say that just to rib me. But in some ways, he was right. So I would. Uh, so what I did is I talked to a veterinarian. I said, okay, human medicine says there's nothing left for us except to take Aricept for this Alzheimer's. Is there anything at all that might help in vet medicine? And he said, absolutely, there is. I said, what is it? He said, autologous stem cell therapy. I said, what's that? He said, taking your own stem cells from your own body, pulling them out, harvesting them, filtering them, activating them, and putting them back into your own body. I said, well, that doesn't sound too too difficult and it doesn't sound too controversial it's your own stuff he says oh no it's pretty dang controversial you you have no idea i said okay how do i get this done how do i get this for my father he said well there's a doctor down in miami doctor named scoopin i said okay let's uh, get a hold of him i get online find him call him he says sure for this much money bring him down i'll treat him okay so we get dad on a plane we take him down to uh, miami my mom goes with me my brother goes with me. My brother's a critical care nurse. And we get down there. And at the time, dad had progressed to where if you've been around Alzheimer's patients, it's an interesting disease, a very unusual disease. A guy who would have always been in total control of himself in a crowd, his brain started to change. And now all of a sudden, in the, in the uh, airport, sitting there waiting for the plane to, to come and to board the plane loudspeaker someone goes over the loudspeaker and says you know flight 287 report to gate 68 and just the loudspeaker would make dad jump and then say what's that what's that and carry on and a child would run by and he would say there's a kid there's a child someone needs to grab that child total inappropriate behavior but not on a level that it's it's just distracting and it's uncharacteristic of him. He was reserved. He would have never acted like that. Never in public. His shoes were untied. We'd have to tie his shoes. He might have a button missing, you know, his shirt, one button would be off. Um, he just shaved himself and missed a spot. Just sure. stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to make sure that he's as, as put together as he can be for a trip across the country. So yeah, we get to definitely Mi- influenced your direction. That's for sure. We get to Miami. They harvest some of his fat. They harvest some of his bone marrow while they harvest his fat. I'm already looking at the procedure saying, huh, I can make that better. We can do it with ultrasound guidance. We can take the ultrasound machine and I can make sure I do it safely. What if there's a hernia there? How do you know? Well, ultrasound will show me bone marrow. Why aren't we using x-ray guidance? They're doing it by feel. And I'm saying, why don't you use an x-ray machine? Now you don't have to feel it. I've done thousands of bone marrow biopsies. So 
I'm watching the procedure and they then do processing of the procedure. They pull off the fat, they pull off the bone marrow. They have a technique where they centrifuge it. They pull out the tissue, the cells, and then they harvest it. And then they have a thing that where they light activate it. And then they take these cells and they inject them back into the vein. So mm -hmm. I get done with this. We're on the way home. The next, and so he stays overnight at the same hotel by the clinic, just in case there's any problems. There weren't any problems. The next morning, we're on our way to the airport. Dad comes out of the, the hotel room with mom. His, his, um, he's completely shaven. There's no missed spots. His shirt's neat and tidy. His shoes are tied. And he just, there's a kick in his step. And we're like, okay, mom, that's not right. That's not real. That can't be. I'm not doubting Thomas. That can't be real. Mom says, yeah, it's true. He's a different man. I wow. said, 24 hours overnight? She goes, yeah, it's incredible. He's carrying on a conversation that, with me. That's a fascinating story that definitely influenced you. And I, we're going to go to break now. In our next segment, I want to talk about how kind of that uh, kind of led you in the direction for your practice now and how you help people with all yep. different types of conditions uh, through this work that you do. Uh, you're listening to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM. Dr. Kip Van Camp is my guest, IdealHealthUS.com. We'll be right back. to the Grill Nation show on 980 AM and on iTunes via podcast. Again, I'm joined by Dr. Kip Van Camp. I am your host, Jason Grill. We're having a fascinating discussion about uh, what he does and his journey and how he got involved in the medicine that he practices and, and whatnot. And he's telling us a great story about his father and, and, and stem cell treatments and whatnot. Uh, why don't you continue there for us, doctor? Kind of finish up that story and kind of uh, lead us to the next, uh, next step here in your uh, career. Yeah, again, thanks for having me on the show. I, I'll wrap up the rest of this story. So, you know, we took dad to Miami, gets his treatment. They take his some of his bone marrow and some of his own fat, pull off the stem cells, and then give them to him intravenously. And all the while, my brain's just going crazy with ways to improve on the procedure. What else should we have done? I'm beating myself up going, why, why didn't I think like a scientist? Why didn't I collect data before we even got here? How come I hadn't done a mental status exam on dad so I could prove what happened? Well, anyway, so we get back. All these ideas are floating float through my head. No kidding. In the in the tarma, or in the the or terminal at the airport, ready to fly home, dad reaches down and ties his shoe. A young child runs by, which would have set him on edge before the plane flight, and he just smiled at the kid. And then I said, Dad, we better use the bathroom before we get on this plane. And he said, what do you think? I need help. I'll be fine. And he hopped up and went to the bathroom. So it's like, who is this man? How did this happen? Well, I'm a doubting Thomas. I'm, I'm thinking, well, it's a, you get a nice bump. It's going to be a nice response, but how long is it going to last? So I had mom, mom and my brother and I started coming up with some things to think about. How long is this going to last? What are you going to do? 
give me some measurable things that you can follow dad with to see, you know, is he able to go to the mailbox on his own? Is he able to dress himself? Is he able to do his activities of daily living? And sure enough, this stuff lasted for about three months without any problem. Mom said, kicking his step, you know, skipping his step. He's a new man. So as soon as I got back, I went straight to the Kansas Board of Healing Arts and I said, how do I do this safely and legally in the state of Kansas? And the Kansas board said, well, we're a punitive board. We like to find doctors screwing up and then we prosecute them. And so I don't know what to say to you. We don't have proactive things come in. I said, come on, give me a hint. What should I do? They said, well, there's a thing called research umbrella or an experimentation umbrella. If you do everything under under gathering data and trying to be living in a solution rather than being a part of a problem, because this is experimental, then you're at least going to be trying to do the right thing. And that's, that's going to help you. All right. So here we are nine years, uh, eight years later, almost nine years later. And we've done five research protocols. We've had one published. We look at every case as if we're doing a case study or a case report. And we've treated all kinds of things. I bet I've treated over 5,000 cases now. Um, what types of areas, doctor? Anything from Alzheimer's disease all the way to spinal cord injury, all the way to uh, run-of-the-mill osteoarthritis of joints, which is is the one thing that the FDA does like, and there is a good place for it. All kinds of things have changed. To finish the rest of my dad's story, uh, we didn't have any ability to freeze my dad's tissue. The FDA does not allow you to harvest your own fat and bone marrow and then freeze what you don't use and give it back to you at a later date. The thing I learned with dad is that the results would wear off about every four to six months. So you needed a a booster. We didn't have any way to use umbilical cord tissue or what's known as allergenic stem cell therapy. And so it was all his own bone marrow and his own fat. Well, when you do a mini liposuction on a person, seven times in a row over a three-year period, you start to develop scar tissue. You take the bone marrow aspirate every every three to four months, you start to deplete the red blood cells. So over time, you're, the treatment's actually doing some detrimental things to the body. So you have to be really careful how you do it. Well, over time, we finally had to slow the treatment down. I gave dad what I would say three really good years of living at home, taking care of himself, living with mom, still enjoying life, going to football games and basketball games that he enjoyed, living life. And then one day on about the ninth treatment, my dad literally reached up to me and grabbed my hand while I was doing a mini liposuction and said, look, Kip, it's done. I said, dad, do you mean done? He said, yeah, it's done. No more. I said, do you know what that means? He said, yep. And he he, so we turned it on, I got the family together. I said, this is what dad said. And everyone said, abide his wishes. He's a man, man's man. He knows what he wants, abide his wishes. And he passed away nine months later. Uh, what I would tell you was, I think we gave him a good ride. I think mm-hmm. life was better for him. He wasn't in an institution for all those three years, which he could have been. He was progressing pretty quickly. We slowed the progression down. And then he got to turn it off. And when we turned it off, he passed through the the in stages of Alzheimer's very quickly, which could have drug on for for months to years. So uh, that's the story. That's what got me into this. We have the one paper that I have published was an Alzheimer's study using his data. Uh, And, you know, it's really what I'm doing is a legacy to my father because I'd have never done any of this. Like I said, I didn't even know what autologous stem cells were to speak of. 
I couldn't give you anything in detail about him when I first heard it. And so here we are now treating. Yeah. yeah so you're treating a lot of different people, a lot of chronic pain issues. Chronic pain. We do. We treat backs. Uh, we treat facet joints, arthritic joints. We treat discs that are damaged. Uh, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of disc issues in this country. We've developed an entire protocol for everything we treat. Uh, let's take an example. Person comes in, they've injured their back. They were in a car accident. They've already had their epidural steroid injection. They have a herniated disc at L4-5. Uh, it's confirmed with MRI. They see me. They've already had the conventional. Now I can do the conventional too. Part of our practice still does the conventional corticosteroid bill insurance. Okay. The other side of our practice says, okay, for 20 to 30% of the people, they choose to go down the regenerative medicine route. That Those people, after their corticosteroid injection, as it wears off and they're not better, they say, isn't there something I can do besides surgery? Well, I usually start with a PRP injection on those patients, platelet-rich, platelet-rich plasma, where we take the serum, we spin down the red blood cells, pull off the serum, which is loaded with all types of uh, prostaglandins and nanoparticles, exosomes, little particles that are healing particles, and we inject that into the back, into the back around the disc, and uh, the, the results are remarkable. Yeah. Now we're using the person's own body to heal themselves. Uh, we've done a lot of creative things where we've gotten into some ozone therapy, and we use that in selective cases in selective locations. Uh, the the world of regenerative medicine, what was a very rudimentary, take someone's fat and bone marrow, take out the cells, filter anything debris and anything dangerous out, and then give it back into the IV that I first did on my father has changed so much that it's not even the same procedure today. It has evolved. We've developed... Uh, protocols that allow us to follow people the same way and then gather data and try to draw conclusions. Did this really work? Every person that I see has to have some form of a diagnostic study beforehand, some measurable diagnostic test, whether that is a mental status exam for an Alzheimer's patient or a spinal tap for an MS patient or an MRI for a disc patient so that after I have treated them, I can turn around and repeat their diagnostic studies and compare them side by side and say, do we have measurable changes? And that's what makes our clinic unique. Not that what I've done is taken conventional medicine, all those years of training, used my conventional medicine and tailored it to a regenerative medicine practice. So when I hear of the places that are just hiring a nurse practitioner and the nurse practitioner is using an ultrasound to inject a knee and they didn't go through the vast workup. I, I say, well, that's not the same thing I'm doing at all. Now, is there a place for that kind of a clinic? Maybe it's probably none of my business, but the way I see it, the way we're doing it is the right way. Your practice again is located in Shawnee, Kansas. The website is ideal health best.com so really you're really kind of approaching pain with with these injections and really kind of against they're not using the uh medicine and pill type uh thing that we see from all over the place these days that causes a lot of issues yeah our goal is to not use 
I'm not going to say there isn't a place for medications because there certainly is, but we're very cautious and slow to put anyone on any medications. Our first, the very first thing we sit down with the person, we have a discussion as to what have you already done and what has worked for you. And if they've already been down this whole entire pathway of conventional medicine, which came with them corticosteroids and anesthetic you know, numbing agents and a Band-Aid trying to get the body to heal itself. And the, the doctors they're seeing, they're telling them, well, if, this, if these injections don't work, your next step is either some type of RF ablation where we burn the nerves or you go straight to surgery. If the person we're talking to says, yeah, that's the route I want to go, then we say, okay, this probably isn't the right practice for you. We can do your, your steroid injections if you need them but we also can send you back to wherever you came from. But if you're the person who says, I want to try my own body and see if it'll heal itself because I want to see a longer lasting result and I don't want to go under the knife, then I think this is the type of person we're looking for. And uh, the, the, the real quagmire for people is regenerative medicine is paid for by the patient. Mm-hmm. Conventional medicine is paid for by insurance, and that's the issue. So people who have now – We're going to go to break here, doctor. But I, I think that's an interesting point to start on. Um, we're, doc, we're talking to Dr. Kip Van Camp, uh, IdealHealthUS.com, Midwest Regenerative Health and Pain Clinic. We're going to break for our final segment with a lot of different topics to still discuss. You're listening to The Grill Nation Show here on 988 and on our YouTube podcast. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show here on 980 AM and on iTunes if you're listening via podcast. I'm Jason Grill, and we're talking to Dr. Kip Van Camp. IdealHealthUS.com is your website. You do all kinds of different regenerative medicine treatments and uh, diagnosis. What makes your clinic different in the grand scheme of things and what we're dealing with right now in our, in our medical world? So if I was looking for a regenerative treatment, I would absolutely make sure that I'm going to a board-certified MD or DO, and I would want them to have some subspecialty of surgery. So interventional radiology gives me that subspecialty of surgery because we're harvesting stem cells from your own fat and bone marrow. So I need to be a pretty good skilled surgeon to be able to do those types of procedures safely in the office. There are a lot of places that have umbilical cord tissue, allogenic mesenchymal stem cell therapy with exosomes. And there's a lot of hype right now in that world. And there is certainly going to be a place for them. But here's the standard practice. A physician who maybe doesn't do any of these procedures or the chiropractic world who doesn't ever have the, the uh, part of their training doesn't include piercing the skin. They, so because they don't pierce the skin, they hire a nurse practitioner and a medical director. The medical director oversees the process from afar, 
the nurse practitioner, he or she does the procedures and they may or may not use ultrasound or x-ray guidance. And then they take umbilical cord tissue and inject it into joints. And now is there a place for that? Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. But if I'm going, if it's my family or friends or my relative or myself, I want the first practice I described. That's what we do. And I didn't do those residencies for nothing. They have absolutely shaped our practice. They make us a conventional medical practice. We bill insurance where we can. We practice conventional medicine using one tool in our toolbox, and that's alternative medicine or regenerative medicine. So we look at the body as a whole, just like a, just like when I started the whole pro, you know, when we started this discussion, I said, DOs are generalists first. So I look at the body as a whole first. You come in with a sore shoulder and we've done an MRI and it says, yeah, there's a partial rotator cuff tear and you've got some moderate degenerative osteoarthritis. I think we can help you with some regenerative therapy. I'm going to look at you as a whole. I'm going to talk to you about your whole body. I might find out that you have a libido issue too, and we may be able to do an ED injection. Well, one of the things we do, we don't do all these add-ons either. If we talk to you and find that you have four problems, we're going to do our best to treat all four problems for the same price or similar price because you are paying out of your pocket for this. So we look at the body differently. We need, we want diagnostic testing done beforehand so that we can actually see, did we help you? We want measurable data that we can prove. Did I help you? And I want that as much for me as I do the patient. It there's, there is great confidence when a patient says, you know, I, they came in, they had a back problem. We did their MRI. We proved they had a herniated disc. I treated their disc Six months later, they're still having trouble. We repeat the MRI and we show it didn't change a bit. Our treatment didn't work versus, you know what? It actually did treat, did work. Look how much smaller it is and look how close we are to being done. You just need a little more here. We can go ahead and do a lesser treatment now and probably push you over the edge and now you're cured. So, or now you're able to live a normal life. So we look at things differently. That's what our clinic's about. Awesome. Very I, would fascinating. Want, I would want to think about that if that's where I was going. IdealHealthUS.com is the website for Dr. Kipfink. The, the company is called Midwest Regenerative Health and Pain Clinic. Doctor, you also have a novel recently, which is a mix of <laughs> science fiction and real science, from what I understand. Tell us about that. Also, I, know I, that uh, I like to write. It's kind of an outlet. When Dad, when Dad got sick, uh, I started writing a book. Uh, kind of an unusual, unusual theme. I, I I stole a lot of different ideas. I, of course, I, I'm old enough. I like the Indiana Jones movies. I like the Green Mile. I liked shows like like that where there were interesting little pieces that I had observed on the big screen where I said I could pull that together in a novel because I like to write. So I, I created this character, Montgomery Palmer. He is an archaeologist, hence Indiana Jones. Archaeologist. He's at a at a Ivy League school. Uh, uh, made up Ivy League school, New Hampshire State University, and he is a um, just a genius. He's just extremely smart. He's raised by a fundamentalist creature father who has said, "Here is creation. That's the way it is." And Monty goes out to disprove creation and to show that evolution is right, and he becomes a world authority on Darwinism and evolution. Well. Because of his eclectic 
background in in archaeological digs. He's he's been in on 100 dig sites. This little tiny field mouse endemic to Iran is living forever. They can't destroy it. They'll torch it. The thing will come back to life. They'll cut its leg off. It'll grow a new leg. Like, what the heck's going on with this field mouse? How is this possible? And then they hardly can catch it. So they think they're dealing with some kind of a higher intelligent life form. So this company, this global stem cell company, says if we can figure out what's in that DNA, we could have something pretty special here. So they hire Monty to put together a scientific team, and they pay for them to go over to Iran and to study this field mouse and figure out what it what's making it live forever. And that's the name of the book. Hence it's uh, the name of the genus and species of the field mouse that is endemic to Iran is Rox hyraxis. And so it's the secret of Rox hyraxis. That's where I got the name. Well, anyway, these characters are very, very unique characters. They have all different backgrounds. Uh, If a person likes to read it all, I think they'll find the book entertaining. If a person likes history at all, I think they'll find it entertaining. It's all based on true and true uh, historical facts. Uh, We talk about the Evan prison, which is a true prison in Iran. Um, We talk about this field mouse. We talk about science, uh, you know, but it's all weaved into the story. We talk about, they, they identify some new elements for the periodic table. So it's very scientific, but it's done. Anyone who's read it, they've told me it's done in a way that it's uh, done to where lay people enjoy it. It's not an, intellectual egghead kind of book, but it's, <laughs> but it's intellectual. It's intellectual. So you are thinking and you're learning something, but it's in a lay person's way. Where, where can you get the book, doctor? You can get the book on Amazon. You can get the book at uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, just type in the secret of rocks, Iraxis or type in my name and it'll show up. You can also go to Adelaide publishing. That's the company that picked it up. It's being published out of New York. It's a traditionally published book. Um, took a lot of work to get the thing published. Um, I have two more books in my head that are somewhat, this is the pre, this, you know, the trilogy. Um, I've been closer to starting to put it on, put the words on paper. It's that close. Um, these characters, the thing, the feedback I've received is my character development is my strength in my writing and they come to life. These people come to life. Uh, and that, but they're interesting. That is very interesting. And again, uh, what's the name of the book? The Secret of Rocks Hyraxis. Okay. And you'll find a lot of jewels in there. Just just trust me and get that book. You'll enjoy it. You definitely are a workaholic, like you said, and helping people uh, in all these different great ways. Dr. Kip Van Camp, uh, he is, uh, his website is idealhealthus.com. Congrats on all your success, doctor. We uh, will definitely have to talk to you again and uh, yeah, I'd love appreciate to come all back. your time today. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Thank you again. And you've been listening to the Grill Nation show. Take care and have a great one. Thank you. Could bring a phone